Thank you so much for tuning in and welcome everyone i hope you're well i'm your host ben lively and you're listening to shaken awake episode number 61 i just wanted to thank you for tuning in with us today wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment it means everything to me to share the messages that god has laid on my heart to share with you and as always i promise you another great show but more than anything my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord, not just another podcast episode. So a quick ask, if you found value in these episodes, would you take 30 seconds after the show to uh, to go submit a, a quick review or a rating in your app or device that, that, that you use to listen to the show? This is what others listen to um, and look for uh, when deciding whether or not to give the show a listen. So if you could do that for me, if and only if you find value in these episodes, I would greatly appreciate it. And for those that you that already have, I can't thank you enough. Uh, so without further delay, let's get ready to invite God in with us right here, right now and allow him to speak directly to our hearts and minds. So today's topic is on which type of virgin are you? Full of air or full full of oil? Kind of a catchy title, huh? <laughs> it was interesting. I had a listener, a new listener, uh, reach out to me and made some comments about a podcast episode of, of mine that she found on YouTube and wanted to give me some really, really nice feedback. And uh, she made a request. And she requested to hear more about the parable specific uh, to the to the ten virgins now, uh, with the oil. Now, many of you have heard of that. Um, many of you know that the parable that Jesus spoke, but some of you may not, and some of you may have heard a different, uh, you know, had a different impression about what that parable meant. Or like myself, I heard of it. But I had long forgotten it, and I certainly did not have clarity until the, the Holy Spirit provided that clarity to me as I read my Bible for the, again, very first time all the way through uh, in 2019. So my hope today is to take the request from that listener and honor that request for the benefit of you and, and obviously our Lord Jesus Christ and put out what I believe to be how the Holy Spirit convicted me through that specific parable. And it actually got me thinking, and I'm, I'm certain it was more than just me thinking. It was divine intervention, and it was God who was speaking to me uh, that kind of told me to put out a series on many, if not all, the parables, because many we've heard as, as you know, little little children. Some we've never heard. Some we've heard, but it's, you know, been a long time and we've forgotten about them or perhaps we've matured, right, since we first heard them. And so now it has fresh meaning and perspective uh, so our, you know, in our lives now. So with each parable, as I read through the Bible, like everything in it, the Holy Spirit provides understanding and wisdom that God has breathed out onto those pages through the Holy Spirit to the to the man who wrote the, the chapters and books and verses that we read. So I'll be concentrating on a series of parables that open up the meanings behind them beyond the words that are in the Bible. And it's not based on my perception. It's based on the understanding and the wisdom that I've received through the Holy Spirit from reading these. And I'll tell you a lot of them were convicting for me because I knew right where I fell and right where I fell in a place with these parables. And I'd say nine out of 10 were speaking directly to me. 
and they were just eye opening, and and totally shook me awake. Each one of them, and just helped me, you know, help help the Holy Spirit help me to realize through these parables, and as Jesus did as he spoke these to his disciples and followers in that same manner, I received the wisdom that God intended for them to have, and so they are and were and still are life changing, eternity changing for me. And I think it's about time that I, I preach on these. So uh, once again, I'm not bashing churches. It's not what I do. But, you know, I, I have to tell you one thing. I've never heard the parables spoken in church. You know, I, may, I may have heard them referenced a few times growing up. You know, obviously in, in kids' church growing up, I remember the, you know, the fishes and the loaves. But that was more of an animation kind of, I don't know, entertainment rather than spiritual wisdom. It's not what the churches, you know, they're still doing that today. It's about the entertainment factor, it seems, and not so much the truth. The truth hurts. Entertainment doesn't, right? Truth convicts. Entertainment entertains. So without further ado, let's dive deep into the parables of the 10 virgins. And I believe there's something in today's messages uh, or message for a number of us that the enemy wants to prevent us from knowing. Uh, this scripture is going to change someone's life today. This parable is a continuation of a conversation that Jesus started with his disciples in the previous chapter. So in Matthew 24, Jesus tells them what will happen at the end of the age. He gives them the signs uh, that'll signify his return and that it's near. And after he lets them know of these signs, Jesus tells them this parable of the, the 10 virgins. And so let's, let's quickly read this parable. It's found in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. So I'm going to read that. The parable of the 10 virgins, chapter 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins, all ten, rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. So while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So as we take a good look at the parable of the 10 virgins, again, that's Matthew 25, 1 to 13, we must acknowledge and admit that there has been significant uh, debate as to the meaning of these words of Jesus. At least one part of this parable can be known with absolute certainty. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ, and his parable describes his return. So in the Old Testament, Isaiah 54, 4 to 6 Isaiah 62, 4-5, and Hosea 2, 19, God pictures himself as the quote-unquote husband of Israel. And in the New Testament, uh, John 3, 27-30, Matthew 9, 15, and Mark 2, 19-20, Christ is pictured as the bridegroom of the church. The church is described in scripture as the bride of Christ. In uh, One example is Ephesians 5, 
25 to 32. Okay, so the historical setting of this parable can also be known with absolute certainty. And it's describing, a, you know, in a first century Jewish wedding, um, uh, Carson in, in the exp, uh, Expositor's Bible Commentary describes the setting this way. Normally, the bridegroom with some close friends left his home to go to the bride's home where there were various ceremonies followed by a procession through the street after nightfall to his home. The 10 virgins may be bridesmaids who have been assisting the bride and they expect to meet the groom as he comes to uh, from the bride's house. Everyone in the procession was expected to carry his or her own torch. Those without a torch would be assumed to be party crashers or, or even lawbreakers, right? They didn't belong. The festivities, which could last several days, would formally get underway at the groom's house. So the torch was either a lamp with a small oil tank or, or a reserve and a wick uh, or, or a stick with a, a rag soaked in oil on the end of it, which would require you know some occasional re-soaking to maintain the flame, okay? So the overall theme of the parable is that Christ will return at an unknown hour and that his people must be ready, presumably you and I. So being ready means preparing for whatever possibility or likelihood arises in our lives and just keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus at all times while we eagerly await his return. You know, as seen in the fact that all the virgins were sleeping, when the call came, indicates it doesn't matter what we're doing when Christ returns. We could be working, eating, sleeping. Uh, we could be in, uh, you know, enjoying some leisure activities. Whatever it is, we must be doing it in such a way that we don't have to make things right or get more oil when he comes. This would apply to either the coming of Christ for his church or for the tribulation uh, saints as they await his second coming. So being ready for Christ's return ultimately involves one major thing which reveals itself just in, in several areas of our lives. If we would be ready for Christ's return, we must be born again through the saving faith in, in Christ Jesus. His death, his burial, uh, and then little resurrection from the dead. You know, saving faith in Jesus Christ will be evident in every aspect of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, as it says in Galatians 5.22, will begin to show. A desire for greater holiness and less sin will be apparent. And a consistent watching for his coming will mark our lives. One of the best passages conveying what saving grace and faith looks like in a believer's life is Titus 2.11-14 which says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and then to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the, for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to just purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The five virgins who have the extra oil represents the truly born again who are watching with eagerness, right, for the coming of Christ. They have saving faith and have determined that whatever happens, whatever occurs, whether it's a lengthy amount of time or it's just among unfavorable circumstances. When Jesus returns, they're going to be watching with eagerness. The five virgins without the oil represent false believers 
who enjoy the maybe the benefits of the, the Christian society without true love for Christ. They're more concerned about the party than they are about longing to see the bridegroom, Christ himself, right? Their, their, their hope is that their association or uh, connection with true believers, as they, as they put it in the verses, give us some of your oil, you know, in, in verse eight, as an example. They, they believe it'll bring them into the kingdom at the end. And, and this, of course, is, not, is never the case. One person's faith in Jesus can't save another. The whole, you know, Lord, Lord, and I do not know you, and that's in verse 11 and 12, fit extremely well with Jesus' condemnation of the false believer. That's in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons and in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So we, you know, I hope, may we not be found going away to make the purchase, as it says in verse 10, when, when he returns, when Christ returns. Take the time today, right now, to fill your lamp with oil and take some extra along with you. You know, keep waiting and watching with just gladness and joy and anticipation. And and, and, and so here are some uh, additional takeaways that I received from this parable that I want to quickly share and pass forward to you. Are you focused on what the outside of the lamp looks like or do you care what's inside the lamp? So in the Bible, oil represents the Holy Spirit. So the question of real importance is, are you full of the Holy Spirit. And I'd, I'd like you to consider the ver, this verse in, in Romans. It's Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If the Spirit of God does not dwell within you, you do not belong to God. The good news is that when God saved you, the Holy Spirit came to take up dwelling in your heart. And that is the defining mark of a believer. So with, without the Holy Spirit or the oil, as mentioned in, in the parable of the, of the 10 virgins, you're just an empty lamp. It does not matter how good the lamp looks on the outside. And the next step after receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation is to be con constantly filled with the Spirit. So this verse in Ephesians, just consider this. Uh, it's, in, it's Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So one way of thinking about this verse is, is you need to constantly yield more and more of your life to the Holy Spirit. And doing so, it'll, it'll allow him to have a greater impact in your life. So this requires consistent times of prayer and, and worship. So God can renew and refill and, and strengthen your heart. You know, th this will give you the oil you need to help your light shine bright in this dark and tasteless world. The second point to uh, to highlight from, from this parable of 10 virgins is what it takes to be ready for his coming. You know, as we mentioned earlier, the biggest part of being ready is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
by, by the way, this requires more than just Sunday morning. It's what you do the rest of the week that matters the most. Your growth in Christ will happen most outside of the church. This is where you prepare your heart to be ready for Jesus' coming. Clearly, the ones who took extra oil were prepared and they were ready for his coming. Those that didn't were not. So even though they looked prepared, in reality, they weren't ready for the bridegroom. This is how it will be when Jesus returns. And unfortunately, many will look prepared because they have lamps, but they won't be prepared because they have no oil. So in, in this parable, notice that the virgins got tired and fell asleep. In, in the Bible, to fall asleep can also okay, be a reference to dying. After they fell asleep, they were awoken by a cry that rang out. When that cry came, those that weren't ready went into the, or were ready, sorry, went into the banquet with the bridegroom and those who were not ready got locked out. It's a picture of the rapture. Consider what Paul said in Thessalonians and you might notice some uh, some parallels here. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So for those who say the rapture is not real, there's an example of the Bible that it is. And so we will be with the Lord forever is how it ends. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So Jesus was helping his disciples understand what that day will be like when he returns to us. So I hope you recognize from the parable of the 10 virgins that your eternal destination is determined by what you do now. Once you die or fall asleep, it's too late. Your eternity is sealed. Remember those who were ready went into the banquet and the door was shut. And those who were not ready were locked out. And I share this with you as motivation to share the gospel with others. The day of decision is now. And we want as many people as possible to enter that banquet when he comes, along with us. And if you're listening to this and Jesus is not your savior, don't delay. Today is the day of your salvation. I think one of the most stunning statements in this entire parable is verse 12. And it says, but he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Imagine the virgins hearing these words and the shock when they were hit with this reality. And this isn't the first time Jesus used this phrase of, I don't know you. If you remember on, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, on that day, there will be many people who have done things in Jesus' name. Yet his response to them will be, depart from me, I never knew you. It's Matthew 7, 23. So this leads me to believe the greatest question in life is not, do you know Jesus? The greatest question in life is, does Jesus know you? Jesus knowing you has nothing to do with your deeds or actions. Jesus knowing you 
has to do with you putting your trust in him as Savior and Lord. Nothing else matters. If there is any day you want to be known by Jesus, it's on that day. And thankfully, we don't have to wait until then to find out. If Jesus is your Savior, you are known by him today. This is the hope. And this is the confidence that we have in him. The parable of the 10 virgins is a wake-up call. It's a shaken awake moment. First of, to those who don't know Jesus, but I think it goes beyond that. You know, remember the virgins did have lamps. And I think this is a real wake-up call to those who may go to church, but are not really walking with God. In other words, those who have empty lamps. More than ever before, if you're not walking the way that you should be, this is the day to get it right. Not only because Jesus could return at any moment, but because life is so brief. The urgency of this story cannot be taken lightly. The parable of 10 virgins is about preparation and readiness. That preparation begins now. If you don't do anything else in this life, okay, make sure you're ready for his appearing, whether it's at his return or upon your death. And as you can see, this is the most important appointment that you have to get ready for, and you don't want to miss it. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in, and I hope you were touched by today's message in scripture. If you'd like to reach out to me, please call me directly at 407-493-3208. Email me at ben at shaken-awake.com or check out the show at shaken-awake.com. And until next time, take great care of yourself and each other and God bless you all.